Hello and welcome to the Dork Honey Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden and I'm joined as always by Miles Danhausen. How's it going, Miles? It's going all right. Day like, I don't know, for me, like 13 of isolation. <laughs> right. So a little bit of news to catch up on today. Uh, kind of kind of more slow yesterday, but we've been using the time to start making phone calls, talking to different representatives in the county. Uh, you've been talking to a lot of different people, including uh, DCEDC Steve Jenkins, who you're going to chat with tomorrow about how the business community is handling all of this. Uh, do you have uh, any tidbits of information that you're looking to gather from that? Yeah, like uh, anybody else in business right now, and most of the congressmen right now, they're all trying to figure out exactly what is in this uh economic relief package. So hopefully talking to Steve Jenkins a little bit about how that will trickle down to Door County, what what Door County business owners should know and where they can get help in weeding their way through it. I sat in a conference call with Mike Gallagher today. I talked to Joel Kitchens. There's a lot of stuff to go through to uh, figure out exactly what all the uh, provisions are and how they how businesses can use them. So right. we'll talk about that. And we'll also just uh, kind of intro Steve Jenkins. He's just <laughs> great time to jump into the into a job in economic development and and step into these waters in Door County. He started his job on March 2nd, so we'll talk a little bit about how you navigate these waters. Right. Yeah, you had mentioned to me that a lot of the folks that you've been talking to have been trying to hold off on their conversations till tomorrow because we are hoping to have final details on the CARES Act, which is the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, which should hopefully be passed and signed by tomorrow. Uh, We were talking about that a little bit just in terms of uh, what that's going to be. There have been some details that have already been filled out. You can read the whole bill online. It's 880 pages. (laughs) Just fly right through that. It's a real page turner, I'm sure. Hey, you know what? Most of us aren't doing anything better with their time right now. So if if you've got some time for some light reading, uh, there's an 800 page document for you. But some of the the bullet points right now is that this is kind of a relief package for businesses and American people. Uh, Some of the bullet points right now is that most Americans are looking to receive about $1,200 dollars. It depends on your income range as as indicated in your 2019 taxes. If you filled those out, your tax returns, otherwise it'll default back to your 2018 status. Um, So there are some details that are swirling around right now. Uh, Like I said, the full bill is available to read, but we will hopefully have more information on uh, what exactly is coming in the CARES Act and how you can uh, apply for it and receive aid tomorrow if all things go as planned. You also mentioned, Miles, that you sat in on Representative Mike Gallagher's conference call this morning. Uh, anything that you were able to glean from that? Uh, yeah, a few things. Um, they're actually, you know, a lot of the times those have, you, you don't get a lot out of those, but actually found today's pretty interesting. I did recognize some familiar Door County voices calling in. He had State Health Secretary Andrea Palm on the on the line with him. So they were answering a lot of questions about that people had about the um, coronavirus, the status of testing in the state, a lot of questions about the economic relief package. You know, for example, one one gentleman owns a business on the Michigan-Wisconsin border, and he was saying, all right, Michigan has their shutdown days. Wisconsin has our shutdown days. Which which one am I supposed to, like, my, if my employee lives in Michigan, and but my business is in Wisconsin, how is this going to apply? And Mike Gallagher actually said, you know what? I'm going to have to talk to some people. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I, all these rules are trickling down to 
situations like that. So, right. I wonder if there's something to be said too about like uh, the order on travel. So you're not really supposed to be traveling right now in Wisconsin, but if you were to travel across the border into Minnesota, I don't know what their travel rules are right now. I think that they are looking at a shelter at home order. Hmm tomorrow potentially but then it's like as long as you could escape over the border then the rules are different i don't know how it actually would work out it's a really strange time to be doing things one thing that was pretty encouraging on that call is you you hear a lot of different sides of this the the politics are probably coming into this covid19 emergency too much instead of the science and that that starts with the way the president handles thing like if you read a lot of epidemiologists they'd say the president should not be involved in these daily briefings it should be it shouldn't even happen at the white house it should just be based on the medical science and then the president can give his policy take on it separately right but one thing that mike gallagher said today that was reassuring is he said i've i've wherever you stand on this i've been on the phone with a, with a lot of doctors and they all say that this this uh, physical distancing and social distancing is the only way we have to slow down the spread of this. So he said, you maybe worry about the economy and things, but he's like, he said he hasn't talked to a doctor yet who said that that's not the way we ha- have to do this. So I'm just kind of reassuring on that note. Andrea Palm did say that they are doing, they're performing 2,000 tests a day in Wisconsin. Later, she said in this afternoon's call that they are working with 41 different labs. And I don't know if that means that they are, I couldn't get clarity on this, if they are actually testing at 41 different labs around the state or that they are just working with those labs to develop capabilities to perform those those tests. So when they said 41 labs, I, I thought, well, I maybe we should be able to get results back a lot faster. Because I know for a fact that in Door County, they've waited several days and you hear reports around the state of waiting seven, eight, nine days for test results. So Right. You had mentioned to me that there have been a number of tests done in Door County. Uh, we forgot to mention the numbers at the beginning of the podcast, but there are still no reported or confirmed cases of COVID-19 in Door County. Uh, but there have been a number of tests, more than 50, correct? I believe we're beyond 80 tests in Door County now. And I don't know how many of those tests we have results back for. Right. That's the other thing. It, it does take a while to get the test results back from indoor county so while we've done 80 tests we have negative results from much fewer of them yeah and that's part of this whole reporting process and i've been reading some articles now is like with the flu now granted we deal with that every year so they have um kind of a database that they update weekly nationwide with this every state is reporting them different some report all of their tests some report just whatever they have results for. And you're, we're not getting any sort of universal data on how, like if people are being hospitalized, how many of them are of what age. Each, even cities, like New York City is diff- doing it differently than New York State. This is another area where we could probably get a much better grasp on this situation and make much better decisions if from a federal level, they just instituted some sort of universal reporting mechanism that everyone could gauge. But you, we're not getting right. that at all right now. So when you see these tests and people are going, okay, there were 2,000 negative tests and 20 positives and five died. So they're starting to, they're trying to pull out the fatality rate out of that. It's, it doesn't even come close because you're not even getting the number of exactly how many have been tested. So it's let alone hospitalized and all those things. And I, I'm thinking that as this goes on, the more accurate way to measure the spread is uh, the number of deaths is, and watching that chart, more so than the number of 
positive tests because not all those positive tests need to be hospitalized. And that still is lagging so far behind all the people who probably have, it's already gone through them. And that's why there's also been an argument to do like universal blood testing to see if people have the antibodies to show that they have gotten this already and already are fine. So interesting. Do you happen to have the Wisconsin numbers on hand? Yes, I do. Wisconsin today announced the latest is 707 total cases of positive tests. Eight people have died. Of those 707, almost half of them are in Milwaukee County, 347. There is an additional new case in Brown County. Uh, That brings their total to four. That number for Wisconsin, we rank currently 19th in the country. So our numbers are dwarfed by, say, New York. But um, we are in the top 20 for a number of reported cases, which is a top 20 list you never wanted to be on. Right. And that that flux, I mean, states are, Louisiana was very low on that list a couple of days ago, and now it skyrocketed there. Atlanta's having a lot more cases reported. And then Wisconsin, that is, I th- if I'm doing the math in my head, I think that's 122 new cases since yesterday. So that's the second straight day of more than 100 new cases. So one interesting thing that Andrea Palm said was that, so we have, with without any of the stay-at-home order, that those numbers would be much larger. And so by like the first week in April, we'd be looking at 22,000 cases. And at our hospitalization rate of 20%, right now they're saying it's 20 to 25% of people who test positive are hospitalized. That would be 4,400 hospital beds by the first week of April. That's all the available hospital beds in the state. <laughs> so sure. um, that's how quickly it gets out of hand. So even now it's like you're seeing more and more of these articles saying, well, is this the, the cure worse than the disease? And is it really worth it to do this to our economy? This is too crushing because we're not seeing the cases. That's It's just so hard to go through this because that's evidence that it's working. And even 22,000 cases doesn't sound that crazy when you compare it to the flu. It's just that the hospitalization rate is so high that Right, right now, what, what everyone's doing is buying time to get more masks. It's buying time to get more ventilators so that when it does grow in Wisconsin, the hospitals can handle it. I know we've talked about that a lot, but I think anytime I can find a new number or a way to put that in starker terms, hopefully it helps. Because even we're, we're all probably going a little crazy <laughs> being locked up right now. Sure. You know, for every person that I see asking if the if the cure is worse than the disease, people who are talking about how we need to get our, our economy back together and we need to boost our stock market and stuff like that. I've also seen a bunch of memes of uh, Uncle Sam pointing at you and saying, we want you to die at Jamba Juice for our economy's sake. <laughs> so it, it is one of those, it's such a wild time where it's like, you've got the president wanting people to get back out to stimulate the economy. But then it's also like, I don't think I'm willing to die for capitalism. Like it's it's such a weird dichotomy to be facing. Yeah, I mean, this is something that we haven't faced. I mean, this is such a unique situation. I shouldn't say we haven't faced it before. I mean, we had flu outbreaks in the late 60s and late 50s and obviously polio. So there are comparables. You just have to be old enough to remember them. But it's been, even 9-11, that happened. It was shocking. A very tiny, tiny percentage of the population had to lift even a pinky in response to that. And that's basically the the volunteer army that that went and fought in the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Most of us didn't do anything. Most of us didn't change our lifestyles one bit. And in fact, at that time, our president was telling us, keep doing what you're doing. Just kind of, you know, maybe we, we spent five bucks and put a yellow ribbon made in China on the back of our car. But now people are actually having to sacrifice. And in an odd way, you could look at this as a much better moment for America in that everyone's helping each other and pitching in to this cause which we probably haven't done since World War II. Right. 
Uh, any other takeaways from the conference call before we move on to our last bit of news? Um, just one more thing. Uh, interesting story came out. I, I don't know if you've seen this, Andrew. There's about this soccer match in Italy and its contribution to the spread of the virus there. Did you see no, this? No, I haven't. Okay. So in, and I apologize if I butcher any of these names, I, I think it's pretty simple. In Atalanta, it, uh, Italy, in the Bergamo region, which has been one of the hardest hit regions, if not the hardest hit region, um, they had, let's see, like 1,000, they, they, they're kind of, they're attributing as many as 7,000 cases of the coronavirus and 1,000 deaths to one soccer match there where 40,000 people attended the match and within like five or six days, just tons of cases of coronavirus in that city and just spread like wildfire. And so what that got me thinking of is as we're all staying home right now, let's say we hadn't done anything. Let's say we just kept on humming and said, all right, let's let this go through this, our, our population and just bear the brunt of it. But you think of right away, like the NBA and NCAA and spring training and Major League Baseball starting up right now, like how many different events could have been that sort of catalyst for right. the spread of this? Um, not to mention all these people on spring break right now. Like right now is prime season for Door County people to be on spring break. So how many people would be looking at coming back after going through airports in O'Hare, Minneapolis, Atlanta, New York, <laughs> Florida, Texas on their spring break and then coming back and what kind of risk we might be seeing in terms of exposure if we were still business as usual right now. So um, right. it's tough to say. It's hypothetical. It's it's, But it's kind of puts it in a little bit of perspective and a little scary to think about. Yeah, I'm afraid to walk around Target right now. I can't imagine being in a stadium full of people. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird thing. Like, at what point, we will get back to normal. That's It's going to happen. Things that seem yeah. impossible. Like, I never thought people would build a tall building after 9-11, and now we, we build incredible skyscrapers. Um, right. But I wonder how long it's going to take before we're comfortable, like everyone's getting used to sitting butt cheek to butt cheek at a Green Bay Packers game once again. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if there will be a like a new culture of hygiene and cleanliness. Your brother kind of alluded to that when we talked to him about how um, people who had faced like the Ebola crisis are just totally different afterwards in terms of their, their hygiene and, and how their culture handles uh, sickness. Yeah, it, it might be one reason why this isn't spreading like wildfire through Africa, at least so far. Uh, one other thing before we move on to uh, your conversation with Joe Craigsbach. Uh, my wife went out to Main Street Market today and she did. Uh, she had them shop for her and she said it was really weird, but it went off without a hitch. Uh, she walked up to the window and she waved and somebody came out with a clipboard and she wrote down everything that she wanted and they went and they got it for her. And she said it was the weirdest shopping experience she's ever had, <laughs> but it it went really well and it was really efficient and we were able to get what we needed and she was back home pretty quickly. So it looks like things are working out really well over there. Yeah. I mean, their staff is, is working really hard at it's can't, can't be easy. <laughs> um, but like, I think, uh, what Card Northrop and Steve Northrop said, like, it's really hard to shop for other people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and we were trying to think too about like how, how specific to be. Because like the more specific you are, the easier it is for people to get there. Because I was like, just put down pasta. And she was like, what kind of pasta? And I was like, uh, spaghetti. <laughs> and she was like, what brand do you want? And I was like, I don't know, the green box? What, yeah. What is that called again? But yeah, the more specific you can get. And I told her that she should pick up some beer. And she was like, what kind of beer? And I was like, ah. I don't know. I have to see it. So that was my that was my first world problems, not remember right. remembering what types of stuff I like. 
Well, it's like uh, our Door County version of Instacart, Main Street. All these, all these stores might want to be careful about what they introduce people to. Like when I order takeout, I'm like, oh, this is great. I don't have to go in and wait to they're just going to come out to my car. I, I kind of like this service. So yeah, maybe we'll get so used to it that it'll never go back. So one last thing for today, you had a conversation with the head of health and human services, Joe Craigsbach, about uh, what people can do for their mental health during this. We've talked about mental health a couple of times uh, as we've been doing this. This is certainly my first time working from home. I don't know if it is yours as well, but for a lot of people who are either fortunate enough to be working from home or unfortunately stuck at home uh, away from their jobs during this time. Uh, things are, are pretty different for a lot of people and mental health is something that I am increasingly concerned about because uh, it, on one hand, staying at home from the virus is good, but on the other hand, there's some other tolls that we can take both you know, economically like we've talked about, but you know, on a personal level too. So uh, what, did, what did you and Joe talk about? Well, a lot of our conversations centered around um, people who are who were in the process of treatment before this uh, emergency took place. So, you know, in this la- latest issue, we have a little note in there for Alcoholics Anonymous. So obviously it's not a great time to be having in-person meetings, especially in large groups for, for Alcoholics Anonymous. I know right. certain friends of mine in larger cities, they struggle when they maybe come home to a place like Door County because in a larger city, you have a moment where you're struggling. You can, you can find an AA meeting meeting at almost any hour of the day uh, in Door County, that that's harder to come by. R- rural areas, you can't have it on, on demand like that. Well, now you have this situation where you can't meet in person anyway. So um, Alcoholics Anonymous put out a number. They've, they published a couple numbers in this week's issue for people that people could reach out to just to have a phone conversation if they needed. And that made me think of what other um, segments of the population uh, might be struggling right now. And how are they servicing those folks? So I just uh, checked in with Joe and checked in with uh, William Nick at uh, Counseling Associates in Sturgeon Bay. And what is encouraging to see is they are still having some in-person meetings with folks, uh, but they've also set up to do what they call telehealth. So like kind of a like a Zoom or video conferencing to continue to have these counseling sessions and check in with patients. And Joe said one of the things their staff is doing is just reaching out to people, even not waiting for that call in, reaching out to people to see how they're doing. Um, and I'd imagine there's a lot of people who struggle with that up here. Door County normally has a slightly higher suicide rate than the rest of the state. Um, The state as a whole is slightly higher than the rest of the country. And so not even things as drastic as being suicidal, but just just trying to get through the day and and be mentally healthy um, in a lot of different ways. Yeah, you know, I I hadn't thought about like people who are in recovery right now. Um, But it's also interesting that there isn't a more kind of mainstream like telehealth service already implemented. Like you would think that Alcoholics Anonymous would be something that could take advantage of uh, that like over the internet type of meeting more often. You had said that like being being in a city and being able to go out to an in-person meeting is really helpful. But I, I wonder if there's downsides to just doing a conference call or something like that or, well, or or what? Well, it's interesting you say that because there's a couple of things. One, to be able to do this, like the, the county gets, and even like the counseling associates, they get reimbursements through sometimes Medicare or Medicaid or health insurance providers or federal grants and funding that has stipulations on what they get that funding for. So normally you would only get that funding if it was a face-to-face meeting. Um, so the, the 
governor actually had to loosen those rules a little bit to even allow for telehealth to be an option for them to use in this case, because otherwise that wouldn't qualify for reimbursement. So it makes it hard for them, for a provider to go out and and give that service if they're not going to get reimbursed on the backside of it. And there are also like privacy concerns, which I hadn't thought of is if someone's doing a counseling session over something like telehealth, you'd have to be really smart, but you could technically, it could be hacked. You know, like somebody could hack into that call and get private information. So you you have some HIPAA concerns there. So two things that I would never have thought of off the top of my head, I would have thought much like you just said, well, why why don't we do that more often anyway? But then there's also obviously the the value of being face-to-face and the comfort level that someone might have. But yeah, there's... Yeah, of course. The privacy concerns are that came in, come into play. It's just another way that when you think about how hard it is and how many different decisions have to also be come into play when you do something like a, a shutdown or a quarantine or decide which businesses can function and which can't. And I, I was talking to uh, the owner of Key Industrial Products yesterday who has started 3D printing masks um, and they're located in the Sturgeon Bay Industrial Park. And I, I asked him if he's still operating, if his business is had to shut down or not. And he said, we were prepared to shut down, but it turns out like we do, we make a lot of like odd job products for pharmaceutical companies and medical product companies. So we are an essential business because we're just part of that supply chain. So we have to stay open and keep making these things for these medical supplies for hospitals. So uh, there's, that's another thing you might've said like, oh, we should shut down manufacturing, but that, that manufacturing is supporting some of these other places. So um, sorry, go on a tangent there, but, um, but yeah, on the mental health side, it, it is cool to see these, these companies still trying to reach out, but also, um, talking to William Nick at Counseling Associates, they are still continuing to reach out to those students who are involved in the STRIDE program, which is kind of the mental health initiative at the high schools of Door County to maintain those contacts because they had, that STRIDE program had brought them and started doing the appointments actually in the school. And he said most of these students and their families are, they do want to continue those services. So so many facets of this And it also makes you aware of that, that there's so many people with all these different needs in our county. I think Joe Krebsbach said there's 55 patients that they're trying to check in on right, right now who are, have significant needs. So, right. Uh, Any other takeaways from Joe before we wrap up today, Miles? One last thing that I, I found intriguing talking to him is not just the people in treatment, but the people he's concerned about who had just started, like, let's say you had never, you you had a, a drug or alcohol pro- problem or an abuse problem of any kind or any sort of issue. And maybe two weeks ago, you finally went to counseling. You finally worked up the nerve to go and talk to somebody about it or somebody else finally convinced you to do it. And now you have the shutdown and you're just at the beginning of, of using those services. And now you have huh. this gap because I, I do know from a lot of my own friends who've gone through it, it, a lot of it comes with getting trust in that provider. And a lot of that can only be built probably in person and one-on-one to share that kind of information and, and have those conversations with people. So there's there's got to be a lot of people, right, who, who maybe today was that day they were going to finally take that step. So right. that's what the, one last little piece of that puzzle that they said, that's what they're worried about right now is, are those people able to reach out? And they do have, um, Joe did say they their their phone lines are still open. They are still answering calls. If if their, their lines are busy and you don't get them, leave a message, they will call you right back. That number is 920-746-7155. So just to let people know, those those resources are still available if uh, you need to reach out. Great. This is an all-encompassing issue. Uh, 
everybody is affected by it, many people to differing degrees than other people, but it really is a, a global thing. I mean, people are going to be affected by it in so many different ways than it, it's funny, just, you know, the two of us sitting here in Door County, we don't really think about all of the different ways, but uh, I'm glad that you're, that you've been able to talk to the people who are focused in, in those different areas and are able to share that with me and share that with our listeners. So thank you, Miles, for reaching out to everybody and talking with people as we go through this. I think that's going to do it for us today. Tomorrow we'll be back with the Wisconsin numbers again. And we're also going to jump into the CARES Act because hopefully that will be finalized. Uh, So we'll be able to talk about what people can look forward to when it comes to aid, relief, and economic security. Everyone wants to know how we're going to get through this. And hopefully this is one step forward out of just like this kind of spinning our wheels and wondering what's next. Like here's, okay, here's what's next. Let's get our businesses back on track. Right. Thank you, Miles, for chatting with me today. And I look forward to chatting with you again soon. All right. Thank you, Andrew.